Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh, sadly, we're in the Chiefs offseason here. Um, um, on the bright side, I mean, I guess, you know, you get to see Chiefs in a Pro Bowl uh, again for the first time um, since 2019, if, if that's something that interests you at all. Uh, but obviously, Chiefs camp short the AFC championship game. So it's going to be Bengals, Rams, and Super Bowl 56, Nick. And um, you've had, you know, most of the week to kind of digest that loss. Um, you know, look, I think a lot of credit needs to go to Cincinnati. Um, you know, I mean, um, you know, Andy Reed kind of talked about the adjustment to playing more man on second down, but, but I think the spy, um, on Patrick Mahomes really made an impact too. So, um, a lot of credit to the defense will, you know, I mean, obviously, um, you know, it was kind of a tale of two halves. Um, things kind of fell apart there for the chiefs at halftime. Uh, but the Bengals deserve some credit for that. Um, and they found a way to, to rally and come back and disappointing as it may be, um, you know, it is reality, but now that you've had a little time to digest it, what are your takeaways from that, that chiefs loss in the AFC championship game? First off, before we get to that, there's one, there's really only one reason. Well, there's two reasons for the chiefs to go to the pro bowl. Like, I mean, if you're going to have a loss like this happen, there's one benefit of going to the pro bowl and you want to know what that is, Todd. Um, getting down in Vegas or maybe that's one, that's one, I mean, going and having a good time in Vegas, that's part of the benefit, but the other benefit is a recruiting trip. Cause there are a handful of guys that are going to be free agents that are on sure, those pro yeah. bowl rosters. So pretty much every guy, part of a team normally takes that as an opportunity for what we like to call a recruiting trip to go there and, uh, you know, Hey, chat with a couple of players and be like, Hey, you, Hey, heard you're going to be a free agent. Um, I don't know. And then, you know, have, have you heard of, uh, have you heard of Kansas? the city we'll get you some barbecue if you show up here so it's a it's a good opportunity to kind of talk to some guys and and kind of you know that are potentially going to be free agents whether it's this year or down the road and try to kind of sell them on coming to the team so and it isn't legal for players to do it so you know players can talk amongst themselves but i'm just saying that that but that's in my opinion that's one of the primary reasons to go to a pro bowl if you're a player especially less than a week after being in the AFC championship game. So there's that, that part of it. Um, now moving on to the, uh, moving on to the other part. Uh, yeah. I mean, looking at the game, I mean, the chiefs went out and they, they executed their first 15 and they executed their, the plays that they needed to early on there. And that's why they were able to get up to a 21, three lead at one point, well, technically 20, 21, 10 lead. And then, um, and then almost 24 to 10 or 28 to 10 and the opportunity that was there, you know, there, there were some plays along the way that kept them from, or some execution errors on their part that kept them from really breaking that game wide open and, you know, playing in the Super Bowl next week. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Bengals in the second half there, the biggest thing that they did and took advantage of was the chiefs lack of discipline in their rush lanes. Whenever the chiefs would run their game, Swiss and stunts, the Bengals just just uh, 
Joe Burrow took full advantage of it. And the Chiefs didn't really run a lot of simulated pressure like the Titans did the week before to keep the pass protection guessing on their slides or how they were going to fan out or what they were going to do. The Titans took full advantage of that and routinely were able to bring a blitzer because of it. And the Chiefs didn't really do that as much. Their blitzer was more choreographed at times when they did use it. Um, and then on, on when the Chiefs were on offense, the Bengals, they dropped eight into coverage. They doubled Tyreek and Kelsey in various ways through their zones and their bracket coverage. And then Hubbard was kind of the primary guy. Henderson a couple of times, one of their linebackers, but it was kind of really more of Hubbard's show. And he stood back there and his job was to make Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable. First, it was to help double Kelsey and make sure he didn't get a clean release off the line or some of those quick checkdowns. But then the next part was just be there so Patrick doesn't feel comfortable scrambling up the middle or to his left or to his right. And then he came up a couple times, and Patrick felt like he had to make the throw. So he he's uh, um, that spy served their purpose, and it isn't the first time it's been run against the Chiefs. They just took that from Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia. It's just Belichick and Patricia didn't run it as much. And the reason they were able to run that – is because the Chiefs didn't have a third uh, third threat a receiver. That's the primary thing. And if the Chiefs, you know, if they'd utilized McKinnon out of the flats a ton, the Bengals would have gotten out of that too. And if the Chiefs had run the ball more, the Bengals would have really gotten out of it at some point. But there was chances for the Chiefs to answer what the Bengals were doing. They just kept at times running their offense. And because of that, that's what cost them a Super Bowl trip along with some mechanical issues that Mahomes had and some of the route running that the chiefs receivers had. And I I'm personally, if the chiefs could just get rid of the RPO part of their game in the future, I would be a huge fan of that. Cause I think for the offensive line, it's a struggle for them knowing when to fire off and when to not just, if they know they're running a play and they need to sell this or sell that, I, I think that's going to be big for them. And I think it's going to really help Mahomes footwork overall and kind of help that uh, help tighten that up a little bit to where it's not always, you know, kind of iffy on some, on some of the throws there. So, and Kurt Warner had really good breakdowns on that video that I posted a link to now, like he mentions, he doesn't know everything that the coaches are asking Pat to do. Right. So like that should be taken into account. So Kurt's going off what he knows from the game. Just like whenever I do my breakdowns, it's what I know off the game. It's not a hundred percent what the chiefs are asking him to do. So, you know, that's just based on football kind of, principles versus maybe with the Ch the chiefs may have a couple tweaks in their principles to where that play like Pat Patrick Mahomes is doing what he's doing because of that. So that's what I took away from the game. Yeah. I think it's important to remember, like, I mean, I, I think there was a sense that like the sky was falling. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's hard not to draw parallels between the blowing 21 to three leads, um, you know, in Alex Smith's last game and and then in this game when a lot of people felt like with Patrick Mahomes those kind of days you know the the playoff heartbreak was behind them um and I get that at the same time um Patrick Mahomes is you know essentially one play in regulation away from going from leading the team to four straight Super Bowls right like um, I mean, three, they lost yeah, in three, three, well, no four. I mean, they, they lost an overtime of the 2008 AFC championship game too. I mean, you know, if there's one more play here or there um, in either one of those, or, or if the coin flip goes different in 2018, I mean, 
it's not impossible that they could have gone to four straight Super Bowls here. Um, yeah, but was, like I always, like I was bring up though, if they go to that first one, there's a chance Bob Sutton sticks around. <laughs> so, well, no, fair, fair, fair that's point. what I keep that's what I bring up there every time. I'm like, yeah, no, Patrick Mahomes wise, yes, but Bob, if Bob Sutton's here, they aren't making the other the other three. Fair, fair point. I, my 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 larger point is they've been within an eyelash sure, of the sure. Super Bowl yeah. in the other. The two years that Patrick Mahomes didn't take them to the Super Bowl for the first time in a half century, um, he brought them within an eyelash of right. a Super Bowl. So, is it disappointing? Yes. Should should Chiefs fans feel disappointed? Yes. They're, you're you're never going to convince me that Kansas City is was not a better team than Cincinnati. And I know that Cincinnati beat them twice. Um, and like I said, I I think it comes. To, I think they got out coached. In yes, both of those they games, they, they absolutely got out coached in both of those games. Uh, but if you, if I, you know, if I'm rolling forward with Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, I, I'm still going to take Patrick um, every, you know, every time, um, you know, and I mean, you know, play, you know, I mean, I don't know. Um, take save this for old takes exposed. Maybe if, if Burrow has three Super Bowls in the next five years, that's fine. Um, I just think that that Patrick Mahomes and with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs are going to be fine moving forward. Um, and as disappointing as it is, um, I think that this is going to be a much more exciting offseason for Chiefs fans. Um, and, and I just hope that Chiefs Kingdom can maintain a degree of perspective um, about where this franchise is at compared to where it's been throughout most of our lifetimes. I mean, Marty Schottenheimer got this team to one AFC championship game, and it was on the road at Buffalo. Um, that that's as close as the chiefs had ever come to a super bowl, um, in my lifetime. Um, and, and they weren't particularly close in that one after Joe Montana went out, you know, and beyond that, there's a series of divisional and wild card round heartbreak, but they've hosted the AFC championship game four straight years. The only time that's been done in NFL history and the only four times that's been done in chiefs history, it's remarkable what they've done. And I think that perspective is important to keep. I also, I fully expect that this year, the Chiefs are going to be much more active in free agency um, than they have been in the past. Um, two years ago, coming out of the pandemic, they prioritized re-signing their own guys, you know, coming off the Super Bowl, looking ahead to the 2020 season. Um, you know, I mean, the salary cap going down didn't help them. Uh, in that sense, you know, I mean, the biggest move they made in terms of free agency was signing Mike Rimmers, but that stay the course mentality was rewarded with return trip to the Super Bowl. Um, again, with some salary cap um, hamstring, you know, some the salary cap hamstringing them a bit. They were able to address the offensive line in free agency with Joe Tooney, but not a lot else, right? They they had to rely on some some smaller moves. Didn't even have enough money to to sign Melvin Ingram. Uh, back in the spring, you know, um, and then didn't have the money to come back and get him right before training camp because of the, where they were at against the salary cap at that point. Um, but this year, I, look, assuming, I mean, they've got 15 projected 15 million in, in cap room right now that goes up to 40 million. If they move on from Frank Clark and closer to 50 million, if they move on from, from Anthony Hitchens, I think those are two moves that you and I both expect to happen um, at some point. I mean, the Chiefs were kind of ruthless in moving on from Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz last year, so they've shown that they're not afraid to, to be calculating when they need to. 
Um, so what I really want to look at is, is what kind of needs the chiefs have to fill um, with that 45 to 50 million in, in what I think is going to be their projected cap space and, you know, the seven or eight draft picks. I mean, my guess is Veach doesn't actually maybe doesn't draft all those guys. He has a tendency to package them and try to move up here or there. But I mean, I, would you expect three kind of splashy free agent signings this year? Or, or what's your expectation for the offseason and, and how they're going to construct this roster this time around? Um, first and foremost, I think what what Brett I felt like was hinting at, but probably can't come out and say he's got to be more polite and respectful about it because he has to negotiate with people <laughs> it's, right. uh, is you know an agents that may have clients and things of that nature um i think what he was getting at personally and what i feel as well is the the chiefs have to take pressure off patrick mahomes to carry so much of the load. They have to take pressure off Tyreek Hill for carrying so much of the load. They have to take pressure off Travis Kelsey for carrying the load. Because Kelsey's going to be 30, you know, Kelsey's 32, going to be 33. Tyreek's in the in that range where he's got, you know, he's at 27, 28 range there. So those guys, the Chiefs have been insanely fortunate that those guys have been able to stay as healthy as they have for their career and during Pat, Patrick Mahomes' tenure. So like the problem you run into is you need to start taking snaps away from those guys to maintain their health and especially be fully there when you have the playoff push. And when you're in the playoffs, they're going to need to take some of that away, some of that wear and tear away from those guys. And for Patrick, they need to do what they can on offense to help him have more weapons and more options. So it's, they got to have explosiveness in the backfield more than just Jarek McKinnon, you know, or, or if he comes back, if they re-sign him down the road here, they need more than that at, at the, at that position, they need a possession receiver over the middle that can really help eat, eat up the coverage over the middle. So Hill can get more opportunities to be free. Kelsey can get more opportunities to be free. And they're going to need another, in my opinion, another additional veteran receiver. Cause with, with drafting a young rookie receiver, that's going to take two years to get them to the point that they're probably wanting. And on top of that, you're trying, you know, you're not, you're, you're really planning more for that person to kind of help with Tyreek down the road here more so than uh, essentially adding them. So from an offense perspective, I, I think you're, you know, you're going to need, that's what you're going to need to do on that end. make your team more explosive, make them more balanced, just like the chargers and the Bengals and the bills, because those are the teams you're going to have to match point for point. And those are the pieces you're missing on the, on the roster at this time. Now deep, well, uh, let's stick with offense because I, I, I mean, I think there's a chance that that Orlando Brown's back either on a franchise tag, which would eat up a lot of that salary cap space, or potentially a long-term deal, which would give them more flexibility. But that you know that may be one of the big moves they make. Um, you know, is is to keep him around. It, it sounds like though you're saying free agent wide receiver, you know, veteran guy probably in the you know. 10 to $15 million average annual value range is a priority. I think with the, de- you got to do that with a defensive end too, potentially or a pass rusher. Cause that's the other big area of need. Um, do you think the chiefs can do more than get one big guy on each side of the ball? Yeah, no, I, th- I think they can get, I think they can make four big splashes. 
if they if they do the money the right way and they create the cap room that they that they're capable of and need to they can make four big splashes at receiver they can make a big they can make multiple splashes at receiver and they can make multiple splashes along the pass rush and they can make a, an additional splash whether that may be at safety or tackle i mean there's opportunities there but i do think they are going to need multiple difference makers at receiver and along the defensive line and maybe one in the secondary right you know, we'll we'll see what they what they do at running back. I think you can probably find a, a guy who's got a little bit more speed and, and dynamism in the draft to maybe add to that room. Um, but yeah, I mean, wide receiver clearly, um, whether it's a you know a slot type guy and another X guy that you know that can can take the top off defenses. I think all that would help. Um, and then there's going to be look there. Depending on what they do with Chad Henry, Henny, there's probably a couple million that's going to have to be spent on a veteran quarterback to give Patrick Mahomes uh, a sounding board and and someone to to help him with his film study in that room. Um, and then I think we saw what happens when an offensive line doesn't have depth. Um, I think tackle depth is an issue for the Chiefs. Mike Rimmers has the back injury. I'm not sure. You know who knows what you know what his availability is going to be going forward. Andrew Wiley's a free agent. Um, you know, they may need to address some of the depth there along the offensive line too on, on that side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, looking at it from an offensive perspective, the, the number one team need is going to be left tackle, whether that's Orlando Brown and doing a franchise tag or giving them a long-term deal, or, you know, if they have to go get a tackle on the market because the price point between them and Brown isn't on, on the level that they want it to be, that they can work out a comfortable extension for both sides. Like that's your number one, because protecting your franchise quarterback is your number one responsibility. And that's what left tackle is both as a starter. And like you said, as a backup, like that's priority one. Then I think priority two on the offense is a possession wide receiver. That could be the number two to replace Sammy Watkins role, whether that's a big body guy like Mike Williams, or whether that's Juju Smith Schuster, who can physically go over the middle. Those guys are kind of two of the top upper rush along guys for that role. I know a lot of people can be like, well, what about Devontae Adams? Devontae Adams is going to get like 20, 20, 20. <laughs> He's going to get more than 20 on the open market. I'm just telling you that right now. So if, if he doesn't get tagged and, and forced to stay in green Bay, I don't know if he'll be forced to stay in green Bay, but I could see him getting tagged to force a trade. So if Rogers wants to move on too, and they kind of package those guys together for a lot of draft picks that that may be what ends up happening in that regard. So um, those, those are your primary two. Then, like I said, a slot receiver is an additional need that I think they have an offense. And then a dynamic feature running back could be another one. Now, I know people are going to, I know people have already brought up on my Twitter mentions, hey, what about Saquon Barkley? You got to get somebody that doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires and doesn't have a lot of injuries. So it, that isn't it going to cost a mint. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's what history says paying running backs top dollar is not a wise investment in the NFL. Correct. There are going to be some talented running backs coming out that we'll talk about in a couple of weeks that I think the chiefs could get looking at you, Tyler Beatty. Um, well, that's draft wise. That's even further down the road. <laughs> um, but there are some dynamic running backs that are coming up. They're going to be available in free agency, either through releases or, you know, happen to be free agents on the market that I think could fit into the chief scheme and give them a reliable feature running back. Cause part of the problem you're going to run into is, I mean, Daryl Williams doesn't give you a dynamic ability. Like, I mean, he's a power running back between the tackles and he was hurt 
a handful of times and he's getting ready to hit the free agent market and the price you're going to pay f- may not, may not fit what you need. Um, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire still on the rookie deal. He's a rotational guy. You may give some snaps to, and at this point kind of be your number three, be a change of pace guy. Jarek McKinnon's going to be 30, 31 range. And he's got a, you know, multiple knee tears. So, I mean, you're going to use the explosiveness if you can, and you would love to have him back. But at the same time, you still need somebody that can be kind of be more the feature guy that can take on most of the carries and touches and make McKinnon and Clyde more of change of pace backs in that regard. But I mean, those, those are my, in my opinion, those are the primary things to attack on offense to really take it to that level to where it's maintains what it needs to and the excellence that it does, but also can help them, like I said, be able to match the Chargers point for point, be able to match the Bills point for point, be able to match the Bengals point for point if their defense takes time to gel for whatever they may end up doing. The the only other place, uh, look, Noah Gray um, didn't show a lot this year. Maybe it's not fair to, to, to base it off his rookie season, but you, know, you mentioned Travis Kelsey. At some point, they're going to need – um, you know, to find a guy who can step in and be the starter um, and take some of that load off of him. I don't know if Gray's the guy yet. If there's a tight end that you, an athletic type tight end that you love, um, you know, and this is probably more in the late rounds of the draft um, that you can maybe bring in. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to adding to that tight end depth as well. I mean, you, Jody Fortson's still there, but, you know, I mean, he's coming back from a knee injury. You never know, um, you know, how he's going to do health wise. So, um, you know, I, I don't think that, I think that's way down the list, but I think if there's an opportunity, a la Trey Smith in the sixth round last year, um, I wouldn't be opposed to pulling the trigger there. Yeah. I mean, the chiefs have already kind of tried to sneak a lot of guys on the roster to where Blake Bell's your blocking tight end, Matt Bushman. They're kind of hoping can kind of turn into something next year. Then you're, you're going to have Jody Fortson coming back from the Achilles that may end up taking, two years for him to get back to what he was. But if he had been here, he would have been one of their possession jump ball yep. receivers, kind of the guy they were trying to kind of help fill part of Kelsey's role short and long-term. And then you'll have Jordan Franks from UCF that they got, you have Noah gray, you get Kelsey and then you got Mark Vidal that the uh, former basketball player that they're, they've been molding this year at tight end. So the chiefs have a profile that they're trying to find athletic tight ends that can potentially take over that mantle long-term. So they've, they've sneakily been adding just not, you know, guys at the, that create the headlines, but like, Hey, you're on our practice squad. Hey, you're on a futures deal. We're going to, we're going to try you out. So they have, I think they do have some, and I think they've made some investments in tight end, but like you said, I mean, maybe there's a premier guy down the road here that they really want to get there, but I wouldn't spend, I personally wouldn't spend free agency money on no, on, no, a, no, 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 on a backup not. tight end or a third string tight end. I think I think they're good at where they're at tight end wise. Right, and 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 look, I mean, I I they they probably they're going to need to re-sign Bell or find a, a Blake Bell type, um, you know, to to make sure he's in that room next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's not going to be one of the four three to four splashy signings they make. Um, switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Brett Veach made it clear, just like last year, the priority was offensive line. I think the priority this year is going to be defensive line. Um, and that starts with the edge, right? I mean, Melvin Ingram and, and is a free agent. If we assume Frank Clark is not going to be there, 
they're really thin there. Alex Okafor is also a free agent. I mean, you've got Mike Dana and not a whole lot else um, in that defensive end room. Um, do you think that Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and those guys are trying to talk to Harold Landry or Chandler Jones about what it might take to get it done while they're out there in Las Vegas this week? Like I said, I don't think they took the recruiting trip by accident or some people call it the Pro Bowl. So I'm <laughs> saying there are some guys that are going to be out there that you could kind of start recruiting and try to sell them on Kansas City. So Actually, I'm, I think Chandler did, Chandler might have opted out. I don't know. Yeah, just, don't know because, just because they opt out of the game doesn't mean that maybe they don't opt out of Vegas, you know? Know Fair. what I'm saying there? Yeah. Because, I mean, Tyreek, let's be honest, when he was in that – Pro Bowl skills competition. He opted out of the race. I mean, he was there, but like he didn't actually race because he would have smoked those guys real quick. But he's like, yeah, I'm still. You could tell that the heel it like just he slipped and maybe hurt himself. I was. I, I, was I don't like, think oh. he hurt himself. I just think the like the heel. I think the heel injury or the hamstring. Had, what? Yeah. I think the heel injury that he had. He's just like, yeah, I ain't, I ain't pushing this one, man. I'm gonna rest all this stuff for a couple months and then we'll get back to it. But I'm, I'm not doing that right now. Uh, this would not be the ideal time for him to ra- race Usain Bolt, um, but it might be the ideal time for you or I to try to race him. I have no interest in that. I would get more hurt <laughs> than Tyreek is from playing an NFL season. It would only take four or five seconds, and that would be the end of that for me. Uh, Nick will not be coming into work because he uh, Ever. Tore, his, <laughs> tore his quad in Achilles. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, all right, so... Edge rusher. Um, look, I think you know defensive. Ta- they're going to lose Jerron Reed. You're, you're going to have to find somebody to replace him at defensive tackle. But Derek Nottie's also uh, a free agent. The price for him is going to go up. Uh, whether they try to keep him, um, you know. But you're going to need a run stuffer, and then somebody um, a la Reed, who you hope can do a little bit better job, um, you know, pressuring the quarterback from the interior to pair alongside. Um, Chris Jones, you know, depending on the the down and distance and situation in the game. Um, I mean, they're going to, you expect them to, when it's all said and said and done between the, the draft and free agency for them to add three, four, five defensive linemen, in, including the guys that, that they keep, like maybe a re-signing a, a Melvin Ingram. Oh yeah. No, they're, they're going to like, they need to, in my opinion, they're going to have to bring Ingram back when they'll have Wharton and Jones. I, I think that's kind of, that's your pass rush for the most part, in my opinion, <laughs> Melvin Ingram, Chris Jones and Tershawn Wharton. After that, I think you're kind of starting from scratch for the most part. Cause yeah. Colin Saunders has the elbow issue and he's been injured two consecutive seasons. So I don't know if he's ever going to realize his full potential. Derek Nottie's a pure run stuffing right. defensive tackle. So if you're on the open market, there's him and in, in a, in a certain Jets defensive tackle I'll talk about down the road and another one um, that are kind of your primary run stuffers on the market. So those those guys are going to be – they won't get the premium that a pass rushing defensive tackle would, but they'll, they'll get something. And, I mean, the Chiefs, they're going to need – I mean, a good team has eight pass rushers, eight quality pass rushers that can routinely rotate in. The Chiefs struggled to put four out there that were consistently good as starters, let alone rotate backups in. As soon as the backups came in, you saw like the the pass rush was non-existent at that point. Well, sometimes the pass rush was non-existent even with the starters. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was saying. But I mean, like they they struggled (laughs) to find four. But I'm saying it was even worse. Like the drop off from where it should be. There's a reason the Chiefs were in the back half of 
sacks that they got this year. And like that's, that has to change because the bigger thing philosophy wise, like I talked about with Patrick Mahomes is you have to take pressure off him. And one of the biggest things they have to do as a defense is take away possessions from the opponents. And like those teams that we already mentioned, the chiefs have to take away possessions from them with the pass rush and with the secondary to create turnovers, to get the sacks that they needed to, to where since he doesn't get some of those touchdowns that they got in either game against Kansas city, where the bills have to actually get off the field a handful of times. So like the key thing, if you're Brett Veach going into this off season is all right, I got to get Pat some more weapons or excuse me, Patrick, in case his mom's listening, my apologies. <laughs> I got to get Patrick some more weapons, some more dynamic players to help him out to help this offense expand and be able to force defenses to have to cover more than just Tyreek and Kelsey. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I need a defensive line with a front four that can create some serious pressure and then safeties and corners that can cover a lot of range and be ball hawking to take those possessions away and hand that back to Patrick and the chiefs offense to create more touchdowns so that they put the game out of reach quicker each and every week. So like those, those are the things that they're having, in my opinion, to really have to design this upcoming 2022 football team for. Well, the good news is a good pass rush helps your secondary immensely. Um, yeah. But I mean, look, um, you know, you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of free agents in that secondary too, right? I mean, you've got um, you know, you've got Juan Thornhill coming back, but but we've seen that he struggled a little bit. So Tyron Matthew, Daniel Sorensen, Armani Watts um, are, are free agents at the safety spot. Mike Hughes, Chris Lamons, and Charvarius Ward are. Uh, you know, our free agents at the corner spot. Um, any of those guys you're bringing back, and and if not, what's your priority? Is it safety or is it a corner? In Steve Spagnuolo's scheme, the safety is more important range wise to help the corners. Just like the pass rush is more important than the corners to help create that pressure for them. So, like the corners with them, you need a certain skill set from a versatility perspective. And the, the thing that the Chiefs are going to have to really kind of hone in on is they, they've got to decide, okay, do we need to get some bigger body, more athletic corners to be able to go against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and, and kind of get more physical with Stephon Diggs and potentially be able to get more physical with Keenan Allen and so on. Like the, those are the matchups they've got to start trying to discuss and decide in that end. And that's where they're going to have to – and then on top of it, the, to begin with, you already needed corners who could understand how to pattern match and switch routes if they needed to. And for those that don't know or uh, wondering what the heck I'm saying with pattern matching, it's basically the opposite of what Daniel Sorensen did on the two-point conversion. <laughs> like, because Pat, they were trying to pattern match those two to see how, how Sorensen and the corner would react. So they had Taylor take a step inside to where – they were hoping Fenton, like they were going to see if Fenton was going to take him. And then one of those two receivers they expected to get open because Soren, they didn't expect Sorensen to be able to pattern match correctly. And he didn't, but they manipulated it through their stack to try to get that. So that's what pattern matching is. And the Steelers did it against the Chiefs. The Bengals did it against the Chiefs. And so they, they need certain athletic ability 
to to correctly to overcorrect against some of those issues, or they they need a good athletic ability and a player that is smart enough to recognize when those things are happening. For Sorensen, he just didn't have the athletic ability to overcome the error. And to to understand. Um, pattern matching is a bit like switching picks in basketball, right? So mm-hmm. instead of when, when, when the route combinations are designed to create traffic and throw guys off rather than try to fight through it and fall down like the, you know, like who was it? Hughes and, and Sneed, uh, Sneed, Sneed and, against, Sneed the, against the Bills game. Cause Sneed accidentally grabbed and pulled down Hughes because he thought right. it was the receiver. Cause he's like, I'm out of position to pattern match. And then he's like, I'm just going to grab him and hold right. it. So I don't get the touchdown. He's like, Oh, that was Hughes, not the receiver. And that's Davis with a touchdown. Yeah. So yeah, but that's so another, instead, exa- that's, instead yeah, of that's trying to example. fight. Yeah. Instead of trying to fight with that, you basically just switch the pick, right? Like yeah. if they run that kind of route, you the guys just have to know when they see that, okay, he might have started on the inside, but I'm going with this guy to the outside. It's almost like a combination of zone and man mm-hmm. that allows you to avoid those pick routes and the congestion that offenses try to throw at you these days. And it requires guys to recognize and be athletic enough to recover in those situations. And as we saw there, there, there were times that the chiefs have some players who are just too limited to, to effectively run the scheme that Steve Spagnuolo requires of them. So that's where versatility is going to come into play and athletic ability comes into play a great deal. So the more that they have guys who are, are can recognize that stuff and be able to execute that stuff on the fly, the, the better off it is and the less teams try to run routes that can manipulate that and expose some of those players that athletically can't keep up if there is an error, which is what those teams were attacking each time. Yeah. I'm not going to put you on the spot today. We'll, we'll do another podcast, you know, next week. I'm not doing any weeks. score predictions, Todd. <laughs> 77, nothing or 71, nothing. Sorry. But, uh, but no, I'm saying I'm not going to put you on the spot as far as, um, do you want Charvarius or Matthew back? We we can deal with individual players and, well, and what and, makes and, sense. And let's down be the road. blunt. Let's be blunt. We have other podcasts to fill. Until, we have a lot of podcasts to fill <laughs> until free we, we have, and draft begin. We have two extra podcasts to fill this year because the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So we've got two extra offseason podcasts to hit as it is. Um, I do want to ask though. Yeah. How big of a priority is strong side linebacker because? I mean, assuming that, that they do, uh, you know, release Hitchens to save some money against the cap, um, Nick Bolton, I think it showed plenty this year to, to make you believe that um, he'll be fine at middle linebacker moving forward. I think Willie Gay has settled into that role at weak side linebacker quite well. I think actually the Chiefs have the makings of one of the, uh, one of the best young, you know, dynamic uh, groups of playmakers at that second level. Uh, at the linebacker level uh, in the NFL, frankly, but how big a priority is is adding a strong side guy, and, and what are you looking for in a strong side guy to complement what Nick Bolton and Willie Gay already bring to the table? Well, I think Gay for his size and speed. Or do you just want to keep Neiman? Um, I don't say that, <laughs> that name because then that pops up on my Twitter mentions. Which somehow, you know, <laughs> somehow like vouching for him. Um, I still expect Gay to kind of stay more of the strong side linebacker. I expect Bolton to be more of the Mike middle linebacker. And I think they're probably looking more for a weak side linebacker in that okay. regard. But, I mean, it. I think it depends on if there's somebody in free agency 
Like if there's a cheap strong side linebacker, then maybe you put Gay a weak side linebacker. Or you know, if there's a if there's a cheaper Will linebacker, then Gay goes to the strong side. I, he's you know. got the versatility to play either way, right? Correct. He can play either spot, and it doesn't actually. It, it helps them twofold because if he's on the strong side, he can go up against the tight end and actually can he can cover them comfortably. Um, but I mean, he he can versatility play their spot, and Bolton obviously played other spots, but that dude will be a rock star at Mike linebacker if they put him there. He will. He will be a star there for years and actually be on the field full-time. Plus a bonus, you you limit his pass coverage responsibilities at middle linebacker. He just gets to rely on those instincts, um, you know, and play downhill more so. And as we saw, the weakness to his game, he had 112 tackles, led the, led the team this year. But the weakness to his game was the pass coverage, which won't be as much of an issue if he's at the mic. Yeah, and then so, I mean, the will spot, ideally in in this league and in Spagnuolo's system, uh, system more than normal, is is a guy like Daniel is like a Daniel Sorensen, like a Keanu Neal down there with the Cowboys. Somebody that was athletic enough to be a safety, but has the size to where they can be a physical run support stuffer and also be good at coverage. So that's kind of one of those people, in my opinion, in this era now. That's kind of more of a tweener between safety and linebacker, but can use their athletic ability to where it may be a liability at safety, but as a will linebacker, it's actually kind of more top end and premier in that regard. So, I mean, would if they like, let's say you you've lost Tyron Matthew, right? But I think Legereus Sneed has a skill set that, that kind of replicates some of the, the, the ways that Steve Spagnuolo has tried to use Tyron Matthew through the years. Um, you know, or Daniel Sorensen. Obviously, he's he's a liability in coverage because he he lacks the range to, you know, to cover the you know half a field, um, and these days. But if they move Sorensen to a weak side linebacker type spot or into sub packages, does he still have some use? Can you still see him being on the roster? And can you see them moving Legarius to more of a safety role, kind of like they did late in the 2019 season with Kendall Fuller um, when he made some plays down the stretch in the playoffs? Um, personally, I think, I think Sorensen is going to retire. I think he, I think that's kind of where he's probably at at this point. I think he's given everything he can athletically mentally. He's, he's probably still very sharp as a football player overall, just athletically. I just, I, I think he's used up all that he had in the tank. So I just, I think that I think football is probably over for him from a, from a player perspective, Now, coaching perspective down the road. I, I think he's got a future in that regard if he wants it. So I'll be curious to see after after a handful of years if he gets into coaching because you going against guys who you're you know coaching guys who were you're around your age and everything it it's not you know you want to wait a couple of years and let the let let the league kind of pass by for a little bit before you jump back into that um, and he may want to enjoy time with his family and his kids and all that stuff to where you know kind of catch up on some of that because once once a player gets into coaching. Like it's, it's even more time. It's more time consuming than it was as a player from, from people I've talked to over the years, just how much you put into it. And from a coach's phone perspective and from preparation and game plan and everything combined. Yeah. Plus you don't get the off seasons much different, right? Usually once the season's over, the players go away for a month or two, let their bodies recover and heal and they get some downtime and then they kind of slowly start to ramp things back up around, Around March, April, you know, heading into the draft when they know there's going to be some mini camps, you start getting 
the workouts in, knock some rust off. And not to say that you don't do film study and things like that, but, um, you know, the chief staff, I'm sure already this week is, has turned to doing their, uh, you know, their evaluations uh, uh, of the scheme and, and of the personnel and, you know, trying to get those reports going and then starting to look at some potential free agents and stuff like that and turning their attention to 2022 in ways that the players just don't have to yet. Yeah, there really is no off season for coaches. And the the only time that most of them seem to kind of be able to get away, they may get away for a couple of weeks here, you know, during this right portion the of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. And they may get a couple, couple of weeks around that time. And then normally they're normally full go until, um, probably middle, camp middle of June, of June. Yeah. middle of June to probably three, four weeks in July. And then it's just, it's just go, go, go at that point. And that could be anywhere between 10 to 18 hour days, you know, maybe even 20 depending on the coach, if they're OCD like me <laughs> type of thing. And like, just, they're afraid there's no stone that they can't unturn. Like I left that stone unturned. I need to go back. I'm looking at it for another two hours. What are they doing on third and three from the left hash? Um, so, you know, just those type of things. So yeah, it, uh, yeah, that's a part of it. Cause I know people always talk about, Hey, like, Hey, Alex Smith should become a quarterback's coach or Derek Johnson should be a linebacker's coach. But I, I mean, I think those guys are both going to enjoy time with their kids for a while. Like, I mean, enjoy right. their family and catch up that on that in between. Now, when the kids are in high school or college, who knows? Like, yeah, but, you know, they, but I mean, they don't need to work right now. No, they don't. They don't need to. Cause I know people, people have asked me a lot. They're like, you think DJ be a linebacker? I was like, DJ be a great linebackers coach. But I was like, he's got, he's got five or six kids at home right now that I can tell he enjoys spending time with them based on what they post on Instagram. So, yeah. you know, well, and as it turns out, Brendan Daly is going to be the linebackers coach. So, right. So, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, just in general, like that's, you know, that some of those guys, they put in their time as a player, they want to take a break from that part of it. And then, you know, at some point, some of them start missing it and then they find a way into coaching at different levels. So it's just, it'll be interesting to see how everything shakes out for the chiefs on their, on their coaching staff. Now that yeah, I, well, th- yeah. that's what I was going to say. You're talking about coaching. Um, the chiefs have already lost Mike Kafka, the quarterback's coach. He's the new offensive coordinator with the New York giants. You know, Bienemy has suddenly emerged, uh, offensive coordinator Eric Bienemy, as a head coaching candidate for the the Saints. Um, I think it's also possible that, given the way the last few years have played out, um, if Bienemy really wants to be a head coaching candidate, because he was a hot name two and three years ago, right during the during the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one hiring cycles. He wasn't as hot a name this time around in the 2022 coaching carousel. He got an interview with Denver, but I, I don't think there was ever a sense that Denver was, um, you know, imminently going to hire him. And then the Saints are the only other team that, that we know of that he's gotten a nibble with. Look, it's entirely possible Bienemy and or the Chiefs may feel like his best opportunity to advance is, is to move on one way or another um, this offseason, right? So... There could be a lot of turnover there on that staff. Matt House has already gone to LSU as defensive coordinator. We learned today that Joe Cullen is going to come from Jacksonville to be the, the defensive line coach, and they're going to move Brendan Daly to linebacker coach. How much more turnover do you anticipate on this coaching staff? I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I think they're going to need a new quarterback's coach to 
uh, at minimum. And I think whatever quarterbacks coach they get, I think it's got to be somebody that's either formally played and has coaching experience or somebody that has a history of developing quarterbacks. Like that's going to be, that's going to be really key right there. Cause this is, this is kind of the next, this is the next chapter. And I know it sounds weird to say, but the way I'm going to phrase this is probably wrong. But just like Marvel movies have their phases of yeah. of, of their of their structures, uh, Patrick Mahomes' first five years is done. Like it's it's formally done at this point. So like now you're beginning the next five years of his career, and you're kind of in that the middle phase to where the uh, <laughs> in some ways where uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, you know and uh, Mark Ruffalo that are the Incredible Hulk and the uh, and maybe even you know. And um, the Iron Man of it that that's maybe what Kelsey and Hill are to where they're that in between, <laughs> and you know you're you're kind of having to create oh, no. some new stars behind. I don't want to see that in game. <laughs> uh, but but, it, but I'm saying you know it's it's this is the next the next phase of Patrick Mahomes' career to where like they're going to have to find the next, the next era of weapons behind them while also having them as long as they can. And then they've got to find this new era to where essentially the league has the league understands the chiefs offense. They've caught up to it. And in some, in certain ways, I know that sounds weird to say, like, you're like, well, they were top five in this and that. So yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And that shows you the effectiveness of that offense. But to continue to stay ahead of defenses in the way that they used to in the past, like they're, they're going to have to continue to evolve and move forward. So there, that's where you're going to need Pat in terms of mechanics to be a little bit tighter on some things probably. And you're going to need some more offensive creativity that some new things that Andy Reed and his upcoming coaching staff, whoever they have on that one. And, you know, if BNME does get a job with the New Orleans Saints or somebody else, but, it, um, but I will say about Eric BNME, I do think it's probably, it's probably ideally for him to get a head coaching job. I think he's going to have to leave Kansas City because no matter what he does, he's going to, you know, people are going to put, put him at fault for when things go bad at times. But Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to get most of the credit. And like, so he's got to go out on his own and go either be an OC somewhere else or become an assistant head coach or head coach in, in another franchise to really be able to get to the level that he's more than capable of. And I think a lot of that's going to, that's just going to have to be elsewhere. So, I mean, maybe down the road, there's an opportunity with Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, you know, maybe hopefully he gets the new Orleans saints gig, or maybe there's another opportunity out there that I think can help him advance his career. But you know, he's just, I, I hate to say it, but I always feel like he's going to be in the shadow of Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes' career here fair or not. I just think that's the reality while, while he's still in Kansas city. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see too. Cause if you, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you know, understandably everyone's chasing the standard that Tom Brady set. Right. But this is kind of Patrick Mahomes is kind of entering that period of time where for all the sustained success that Tom Brady had, people tend to forget that there was a a 10 year window from 2004 to 2014 where they didn't win any championships. And some of that had to do with contract. Obviously some of that had to do with personnel. Some of it just had to do with bad luck. Um, but it can be tricky even, even when you're the greatest dynasty of all time in the NFL, um, you know, to keep that championship window open and, and to keep 
um, you know, winning some title. And it's not going to be easy. I mean, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, none of those guys are going away anytime soon. And they're going to want to get theirs, just like Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning, you know, got in on that that championship window too. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see moving forward. Like, I think this is a big off season for the Chiefs to, you know, for Brett Veach, um, and then for that defense because I, I think um, the only the only certainty in life and the NFL is change. There's only going to be, you know, more you know more change, whether it's injuries, whether it's um, you know, just guys being out of contract, um, things like that. I mean, I think for the next decade, you, you probably feel pretty good that Patrick Mahomes and Brett Veach are going to be constants as long as they want to be here. But beyond that, I mean, I don't think Andy Reid's going to be here in 10 years either. Like, I don't think he's going to be a constant in that equation moving forward. So I really think this is a huge offseason for Patrick and for Brett Veach to kind of set the course of what the remainder of this 10 years on his contract and, and hopefully beyond that will be. Like I said, this is phase, phase two of the, of the chiefs, uh, Marvel franchise. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they got, they got to set it off. So it's the next, it it's the next five years that they're setting up here in this regard. And I mean, there's going to be tinkering along the way. It's going to be some special guest stars, maybe, you know, but, uh, at, at the end of the day though, this is, uh, yeah, this is them setting up the next wave of, of Patrick Mahomes' career, both from quarterback coach perspective, offensive coordinator perspective, if BNME does end up leaving, and then also kind of what they're going to be philosophy-wise as a defense. Because if they're successful in overhauling the defense in the way that it sounds like from the press conference it's going to have to happen, then that's kind of the scheme that they're probably looking for long-term to create more opportunities and to take some pressure off to where – because part of the problem for Patrick in the second half of that game is, and this is where I know people keep getting frustrated with how bad he played, but so much of what happened that season in terms of turnovers and feeling like he's got to make plays and all that stuff comes from the defense struggling the way it did early on in the year and the offense having some of the, some of the drops that they did and having the fumbles or interceptions that they did. So Pat Patrick, in my opinion, some of those throws he didn't make that he normally would have. I think if he has a better defense or if he has receivers that he knows are going to be routinely reliable, I think he gets back to some of that confidence and comfort level, being able to make some of those throws, you know, that, that could have won that game. And I, I just think that's uh, in some ways, I think Patrick Mahomes and getting him back to that comfort level. I think that's going to be a really big part of what the coaching staff has to do this off season and adding some playmakers on both sides of the ball will help that out a great deal. And Todd, I even have a list of people that intrigue me. If Eric Bianini, Eric Bianini does in fact move on. Well, one thing I wanted to add though, I, I do think that, some of this is incumbent upon Andy Reid because we all know, like like you said, I mean, Andy Reid still has his fingerprints all over this offense, all over this play calling. And I do think that one of the ways that he can help is if he adjusts um, you know, his play calling in, in games like Cincinnati where they're routinely just destroying them for six yards right up the middle keep doing it until they make you stop. Like I get that you have Patrick Mahomes. I get that he's the, you know, you feel like he's the best quarterback you've ever had. And for good reason, 
but everybody talks about Pat needing to take what the defense gives him. I think sometimes Andy needs to take what the defense gives him too. And it may not be sexy. It may not be as much fun, but if they're going to let you just destroy them up the middle, running the football, that's a way to take pressure off Pat. That's a way to take pressure off your defense. Andy needs to, to, I think, um, have a little bit more awareness um, in when, when those opportunities are there, um, you know, and to make his own adjustment for the sake of, of, of the rest of the team. Yeah. Well, we will see. How- so, uh, so who do you got? I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm probably your first choice for offensive coordinator, right? Could, no. I could use the money, Nick. I got two kids that are going to need to go to college at some point. Well, I'll, I'll do it cheap. This is awkward. <laughs> this is really awkward right now. Um, some guys that really do intrigue me, and I'm, I'm curious to see. You know, Pep Hamilton is going to be my number one guy from the Houston Texans right now. For for QB or OC? Or either. Either. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, whatever he may be able to do there, I think there's a lot of promise with him if Eric Bieniemy does, in fact, move on. Um, and we talked about, if you go back and look at the job he did with Davis Mills, um, Davis Mills looked like a, an NFL quarterback in some games that I didn't think he had any business looking like an NFL quarterback in. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, he spent time working with Andrew Luck and in, when the Colts early on in Andrew's career and Pep was the OC whenever the chiefs, uh, you know, lost that wild card game from a come behind victory. Um, so yeah, well that, that definitely happened. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's some, you know, I have some intrigue there and then obviously he spent some time as a quarterback's coach with the Browns. And then he was up there in Michigan for a little bit, but he's worked with Justin Herbert before. And then also, you know, then Anthony Lynn unfortunately moved on. So then he, you know, he was in Houston this past year with David Coley. So, I mean, David Coley, maybe he gives them a recommendation and Andy can, you know, I just, I think like that's going to be really crucial is having a guy who's good with quarterbacks and understands how to work with quarterbacks and has the experience of doing so to help Pat take that next stage. Um, another guy who really intrigues me is Deuce Staley, the assistant head coach and running best coach for the Detroit Lions. He's previously with Andy in Philly. And he was with Doug in Philly, if I remember correctly. And I think the Eagles held on to him during the Chip Kelly era, too. So he never really got to leave, even though I'd heard he'd wanted to multiple times. Um, and, like, I mean, that's that's a guy that knows Andy Reid's system inside and out, played for him before, and, you know, also kind of that that would be somebody that I'd be curious to see if they can chat with about from an OC perspective. Obviously, Matt Nagy is a guy who potentially – has familiarity, didn't, you know, didn't, he got to work with Patrick during his rookie year, but never really gets called plays for him because Bienemy, he'd left to go take the Bears job. And then Nagy, you know, had moved on to take the Bears job and Bienemy took over his OC. I think there's, I think there's opportunity there and some intrigue there, in my opinion. Um, Zach Robinson, the Rams assistant QB coach, that's another guy that I think could have some, could help develop in some regard and comes from that McVay tree right now that, is similar to what the Chiefs are doing. Uh, Pat O'Hare from the Titans, currently quarterbacks coach, and internet was a buzz seeing him and Mahomes talk there on Thursday at the Pro Bowl. So uh, automatically, people are already you know like, hey, who's who's uh, what's this guy doing here? Does he is he potentially looking for something? We just lost uh, Kafka. What's he what's he doing? What's he up to? Um, and I mean, like Pat. Pat's got the experience overall. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's been there, done that. And he was, he was with Rabel 
down there in Houston and Bill O'Brien and, you know, Vrabel took him to Tennessee. You know, I mean, he's worked, you know, he's won a handful of arena bowl championships. He's been an OC before. So, I mean, you know, obviously he's played as well. So, I mean, he's a guy who understands all of that and would be veteran in that regard. And then um, Dan Pitcher, the quarterback's coach for the Bengals. That's another guy that has, uh, he's got my attention. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see what that guy can do. And similar comes from Zach Taylor tree that also, you know, comes from that McVeigh tree. Um, and then I think this guy's going to end up going with Doug to Jacksonville, but press Taylor, the quarterbacks, co- uh, he's, he's, he could become a quarterback's coach and I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't with Doug down there, but he was with Doug in Philly and he also, he's technically an offensive assistant with the Colts right now. I've been in Frank Wright's scheme system there. And then the, the other part that, you know, this doesn't, shouldn't factor into it, but I mean, it doesn't hurt either. Um, he's Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor's brother. So, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not a bad lineage to be part of in terms of a household with coming from, you know, a household like that. So those are a couple guys that I, I'm keeping tabs on what they do, where they, you know, what may end up happening with them, where they may end up going in that regard. Then obviously I'm curious where David Coley is going to end up and what he may end up doing. If like, he's going to just enjoy that contract he got, or if he maybe wants to try to potentially be an OC in the league, and try to get back to a head coaching job at some point. Um, Cause I mean, you know, he was a good re- wide receivers coach here. And then another guy on staff, uh, Greg Lewis currently running backs coach was wide receivers coach. That's another individual that, you know, would personally be on my list in terms of potential interviews if they need to, you know, like I said, if, if the enemy moves on to go to the saints, then that those would be, those would all be guys on my list. There's probably a couple more that I, uh, when I do a little bit more of a deeper dive than I already have, you know, I got a couple stones left unturned that I still want to look at, but those, those are all very intriguing individuals. Yeah. Another one that intrigues me a little bit is uh, Ronald Curry down there with the saints. He was promoted to QB coach last year. Um, and look, a wide receiver for the Raiders. Yeah. But <laughs> when you look at what he had to work with, um, you know, especially after Jameis Winston got hurt, um, you know, whether it was Taysom Hill, um, you know, um, and, and you also had, uh, uh, who was the other guy that started for him? Um, uh, Trevor Taysom. Simeon, yeah. Trevor Simeon also. Yeah. Well, I, I tried to, I, I forgot, you know, but I mean, they went, you know, they, they were in the playoff hunt despite losing, you know, despite playing Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon for a chunk of the season. Like he had to be doing something right. Um, and, and I thought Jameis Winston was playing very well. Um, you know, he's a guy that, I mean, obviously, um, you know, working with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I think, uh, he's an intriguing guy at probably not an OC type, but definitely a, a quarterbacks coach wise. Well, and then, and we'll see what the saints end up doing, depending on who they hire as head coach, what right. ends I mean, up happening end up, with yeah. what ends up happening, not only with Curry, but also with Pete Carmichael down there. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, if Dennis Allen gets promoted, good chance that the staff, there's a lot of continuity that, that stays in place with the staff. Um, you know, if it's the enemy though, who knows all bets are off. I mean, right. he could try to raid the chief staff and then the chiefs could be looking for a lot more position coaches. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't personally, I wouldn't call it uh, a raid as much as a, 
Well, if you want to go explore that opportunity down there, I'm not going to stop you. Right, right. No, but I mean, you know, like you said, with Doug Peterson um, in, in Jacksonville, I mean, certainly coaches like to go with guys they've worked with before. Coaches like to go with guys they know, guys they trust. Um, so it's not going to be shocking if you see some familiar names show up, um, you know, in Jacksonville or potentially in New Orleans or moving forward. Um you know, on the offensive staff in New York, since Mike Kafka is there now. I mean, that's right. just, that's just the way the NFL world works. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm curious to see what the chiefs coaching staff will end up being like in the weeks ahead after every coaching staff settled in the league. And that's, that's a big part of it that I don't know if people, you know, people, you know, think about as much as that. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of questions until every single staff has fully hired who they're going to. And that's going to take almost till the NFL combine. That's going to be till middle or end of February. So like, that's why, you know, it's the, I, you know, I don't feel like anything's set in stone around the league until probably end of February in terms of coaches. But once you have that in place, that tells you a lot of the approach you're going to take, what they may alter in schemes, what they may add in schemes. Cause I don't think it's a coincidence that they're bringing in Joe Cullen. Um, I don't think it's coincidence that they're bringing him in whenever he's been in weak Martindale system before. And, you know, and they had the disciplined pass rushing issues in their rush lanes that they had for the past three years. And they probably still see daily as a bright mind, but want to give him another position group to work with for a change since he's primarily been D line in his career. Well, and it's also, you know, if a guy like Brendan Daly has designs on being a defensive coordinator down the road, um, yes, you know, having correct. defensive line and linebackers coaching in the NFL under his belt and mm-hmm. uh, knowing, knowing those positions is, is not going to, uh, not going to hurt. Um, yes. Makes him so, much more well-rounded, just like Brian and Brian Colin this year. Like he's, he was the Jaguars DC. So, I mean, there was an opportunity, you know, to, you have a, a a guy who's been a DC this year, and oh hey, by the way, he also gave Buffalo one of their worst games of the year. <laughs> and on top of it, he also you know helped helped in the Colt season. So I mean, the guy knows a thing or two about defense with what he was able to perform with that Jacksonville uh, defense this year against some playoff quality opponents. And it'll be fun because uh, you know Wink Martindale is known for some uh, what's called exotic. Um, blitz schemes. Um, so um, you could see some, uh, it could be fun to see what he can draw up opposite Andy Reed um, with his input in that room. <laughs> I just want to know, did you appreciate my tweet last night? Whenever, whenever you mentioned the Doug Peterson part, and I was like, the information fell off a truck. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I assume that that information came from like Jinko olive oil or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just know that a little birdie made told me that that was a possibility. So, yeah, it's, I mean, he was, I had heard he was one of the people that was willing to work with Trent bulky a little bit. So that, you know, that didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, for one, am encouraged because I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, for at least a couple more weeks, I, you know, I have a chance to still land an OC or quarterback coach job. So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely with your kids' rec team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So, uh, yes, that, that's exciting. Uh, anything else? Um, I am Todd Palmer, the offensive coordinator, my son's YMCA flag football team. <laughs> we, um, uh, you know, we run a really, we run a really tight ship around here. <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll have you know, I am 11, three and two as a youth soccer coach in my career. So well, Todd, we ain't talking about soccer here on this with, that, with one, one fourth grade Olathe parks and rec spring, uh, championship under my belt. I can only imagine you're probably Will Ferrell and kicking and screaming as a soccer <laughs> coach. <laughs> You'd have to ask the players. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a yes. Then just normally people deny that. <laughs> well, Todd, I feel like it's about time that we uh, take take an end or making this in the end of this pod. Yeah, no, no, no. it's all good, and uh, we'll come back next week and maybe discuss, uh, you know, offensive free agents and and defensive free agents on the Chiefs roster and, and what we would do moving forward with it. All right, Todd. Until next time, I bid you adieu. Take care, kids. <laughs>